Welcome to the official Guns Up Nation podcast, the premier voice for the fearless fans of Raiderland. Let's meet today's hosts. And welcome into the Guns Up Nation podcast. We have possibly the most action-packed July in recent history as far as I can remember. We're going to give you all a lot of news today. We got NIL stuff, big basketball roster moves, Terrence Shan Jr., some new recruits. We have the MLB draft, and later on, of course, we're going to get into some Red Raider football. I mean, I know you all been missing it. We have it coming up here in just under two months now. Everybody's getting excited. But first, we got some new show news for you all to break down. I'd like to introduce our two new co-hosts, Christopher Eustace and TJ Kern. I'll go ahead and let them kind of introduce themselves to y'all and let y'all know who they are. What's up, guys? My name is Christopher Eustace. My Twitter handle is at CME Sports News. I'm 25 years old. I was born and raised in Lubbock, Texas. I've been a fan of Texas Tech since I was born. And I played a little minor league baseball, had a few opportunities here and there, but unfortunately didn't get to play because of COVID. What's up, everybody? My name is TJ Kern. Uh, I'm a tech grad. I have a BA in broadcast journalism. I was there from 2007 to 2010. I'm 36 years old. I was there for the, the Crabtree game. The uh, I was there for Leach the year we went to all the way to number two in the country. And that was actually my first football season as a student. And that was so exciting. And then, of course, I was there uh, for the demise, the Craig James, all that funny stuff that we know went down that led to Leach leaving town. Um, and I was there for Bob Knight. I was there at the end of Bob Knight whenever he handed the program off to his son, Pat. We could go anywhere we wanted. It was not like today where the USA was packed. We could go sit courtside, basically. Me and my boys would go sit courtside to watch basketball games. And then I actually did a little uh, broadcast work, uh, in a little bit in radio, uh, was producer for Texas Tech baseball uh, at one time, back when I was in college. And uh, we had guys like MLB stars, Chad Bettis, AJ Ramos, and Nathan Carnes come through Love It. So we weren't any good, but we had some good arms on the team. Uh, that's that's for sure. Um, one of the things that I love to do outside of sports, I'm a big sports nut, obviously. Uh, I'm, I love tech. I didn't know anything about tech before I stepped foot on campus. Uh, one of my big hobbies, if you will, is I've been playing poker since I was 17 years old, semi-competitively at an amateur level. And it's funny how I'm still not any good after playing for almost 20 years. So it's a, a huge passion of mine. I love it. Uh, and that's a little bit about me, who I am. And my Twitter handle, by the way, is going to be uh, my name, but I spell it funky. So it's at TJ Kern, T-E-E-J-A-Y-K-E-R-N. Keith, back to you, bud. Yeah, those are our great new co-hosts. Again, that's Christopher Eustace and TJ Kern. I'm going to go ahead and reintroduce myself just because this is kind of a reload episode, just a revamp. Um, I'm Keith Donaghy. If you've been listening to the show, you know me. My Twitter handle is at Keith Donaghy. Pretty active on Twitter. Um, I'm attending Tech, been attending Tech for a little bit longer than I should, <laughs> but I know a lot of us that have been there. A big hobby that I have outside of Tech sports specifically, outside of just covering Tech sports, is it's still another sport, but I, I enjoy playing golf, and just like TJ, I've picked it up and I have not gotten any better since I picked up a club. Uh, and <laughs> I mean, 
swinging, yeah, hit, hitting the ball and then cussing is basically every shot for me. And then saying that'll play if I can find it, even if it's out of uh, out of bounds. You know how it goes. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, let's go ahead and get into the episode. I mean, we got basketball coming in. We've got a bunch of big recruits. Adams has done a great job. And what do y'all think about some of the most recent guys he's been targeting? Well, we got to talk about Kevin O'Banner. He is the story right now. Um, Tech, he came out with his top 10, and I, I find this very interesting how quickly this is all played out. He came out with his top 10 a few days ago, then dropped a top four, and Tech was on that list. And today it came out that Tech has made the top two, and it's going to come down to Texas Tech and Arkansas for Kevin O'Banner. And for those of you that do not know who Kevin O'Banner is, he played uh, power forward, post, whatever you want to call it, for Oral Roberts last season in the tournament. He scored 30 points and had 11 rebounds against Ohio State. And he is a career 43% shooter from three. He's got great range. He's a big body. And technically, definitely use this guy. And if we get this guy – Look out. I know the national pundits haven't really paid us a whole lot of attention, and we're going to get into that a little bit later on. But if we get O'Banner, these pundits are going to start paying attention to what Coach Adams, Hester, Williams, and Coach Peary are doing over there at the USA and the Womble Center. Yeah, and with O'Banner, and you, you mentioned how he very quickly cut his list down to 10, and then again down to four, and then again down to two within maybe a 72 hour period, if not less. And that's got to be a big – I mean, that has to have a lot to do with NIL. Um, NIL has got to be getting these kids to where they're trying to maximize their social media coverage, maximize their coverage. They're talking with the universities, I'm sure, constantly to um, make sure they are being seen and heard by everybody that cares about the team, they, the teams they have on their list. Yeah, I think, I think it could also come down to him being from Houston, Texas. He played at Mount Zion, Zion Christian High School. And I think that comes down to it, too, him being able to come home, be closer to home, be closer to family, that kind of thing can go into factor as well. I agree, Chris. That's a good point. And, uh, Keith, I was going to say, why don't you go ahead and explain uh, – NIL is a new term in college sports. Why don't oh, you go ahead and explain what that is, what that means, what Texas Tech has done, what some of the other players have already done, and – like be on the lookout for the three letters NIL in college sports. Yeah, so basically what NIL means is it means payers, players can get paid. Now, they can't get paid directly through the school. The school cannot hand them a paycheck as far as from, – from what I've heard, I'm no lawyer. But NIL means name, image, and likeness. So that means these players, if they want to go be the face of NCAA football 2022, EA, whatever, they can go get a check for that. I mean, you have guys um, – Kevin McCuller worked out a deal with Canes. Uh, you've seen a few other athletes around the country do big deals. Barstool's added like 900 athletes to their employee roster. Um, these athletes are getting paid now for uh, being ambassadors for brands, wearing stuff, you know, tip, typical uh, right. sponsored deals. Their own websites, their own merchandise, KevinMcCuller.com. Like Kevin McCuller is killing the game when it comes to NIL right now. Yeah, and, and yeah. on the NIL thing, um, that could have also had an effect on the next guy we want to talk about, which is Terrence Shannon Jr. I mean, I'd, I am one. I, I would say I'm confident in 
that if the NIL date would have been after the draft deadline withdrawal date, that Terrence Jenner would still be in the NFL draft – or NBA draft, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a good point. I, I think name, image, and likeness, NIL, uh, had a huge deal with TJ coming back. Uh, he saw Jamias Ramsey. I want to I bring up Jamias Ramsey in all this because Jamias Ramsey left school. He was a one-and-done, and he was the 43rd pick, I want to say, around there in the second round. Uh, there were several mocks. Now, a lot of this had to do with COVID, but there were several mocks that had him going late in the first, which for those of you out there that don't really know about the NBA, if you're a first-round pick, you get a guaranteed contract. If you're a second-round pick, there's no guarantee that you will get a guaranteed contract. Now, Jemias did. They, the, the Kings did guarantee his contract, but you still – he spent all year in the G League and on the – the bench so I think TJ saw that I think TJ learned from that and not only he went to the he went to the combine so he knows more than we do about what he was being told and the opportunity as uh, obviously the coach that will remain nameless left town and coach Adams got the job there was an article came out and uh, TJ was like basically if I'm going to play college basketball, uh, leaving his eligibility open, it's going to be from Mark Adams. And I think that that was a huge gift. Obviously, you're – to me, and I, I want to I ask this to you guys a little bit. Who was more important to that team last year? Mac McClung was the leading scorer on the, on the team. But if you ask me, the most important player was TJ Shannon. What do you guys think? Yeah, I think so, too. He was a big leader on the team. He was also a blue guy. He also, one game in particular, he helped um, Golding go into the game late in the game when the fans were cheering. And he said, let Golding go in. He needs to play. You know, he deserves to play. He practices hard. And that's just the kind of guy TJ Shannon is. And it's great to have him back because he'll do that for his teammates. He'll come out of the game when he needs to. He'll go into the game when he needs to. He'll guard this guy. He'll guard that guy. He'll go to the hoop. He'll shoot a three. He'll make the pass. He's he's unselfish, and that's great for the team to have back. Yeah, speaking of, like, who we've got coming back, now what Coach Adams has done is you have Marcus Santos Silva, who is another guy like Kevin McCuller, who has used the NIL to its advantage, coming out with some merchandise uh, and some other things in, in the city of Lubbock. Uh, he averaged eight points, six boards a game last year. He's a he's what's called a super senior. You're going to hear that a lot as they get the extra year of eligibility due to COVID. And then TJ coming back along with Kevin McCuller and Clarence Nadoni, uh, and then sophomore uh, what's Aguilar's first name? I, I always forget his Chibuzo. Chibuzo. Chibuzo Agbo. Chibuzo Agbo, yeah. So those are the guys from last year's team that are coming back, which gives you a great core. Yeah, and on, on those numbers right now, I actually have some sitting right in front of me. Uh, we had 42% of our points are returning, 45% uh, of our rebounds, and let me see, only 40% of our minutes are returning too. So we have a, a, a decent amount of this team returning, and you, you see that only four guys come back and you think, wow, that's a young team in a typical year if you haven't been paying too close attention to the transfer portal this year. But, I mean, we only have two guys coming in that don't have college-level experience. 
and that's going to be Ethan Duncan and Daniel Bacho, who actually was had a full year at Arizona, right? If, if I'm not wrong, and uh, yeah, was, couldn't he, play. He was on scholarship. Yeah, yeah, he 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 was out due to injury, so he does have a little bit of college experience, but no playing time. Of course, he was hurt. So Ethan Duncan and Daniel Bacho are the only guys on this team that are coming in that haven't played in college. Right. I think, I, I think that's an important point. And one of the things that you're going to hear a lot, if you if you haven't heard the, the term portal, get used to hearing the term portal, the transfer portal. Because Mark Adams went to work, and we've got two, four, six, seven guys out of that transfer portal that are going to be on this team that have, with outside of Bacho, so six of them have significant experience. And two of them are seniors. The biggest one that I want to talk about is the most recent uh, that we got was UTEP forward, Tyson Williams. This guy was a huge gift for Coach Adams, averaging 15 points a game, seven boards for UTEP, and he goes right into the, to the starting lineup for Tech. Uh, I'm super excited about him. Uh, Davian Warren is a senior out of Hampton uh, transfer. He's six foot six, uh, a big, big guard. He averaged 20 points a game. Adonis Arms is from Winthrop, another senior. Uh, and then junior, another guy I'm excited about is Sadar Calhoun. He's coming from Florida State. Uh, and then Malik Wilson comes from Louisiana Lafayette. So all these guys are, are coming from other schools through this thing known as the transfer portal. And then, oh, by the way, for those of you that have Netflix and watched Last Chance U, KJ Ellis didn't get to play last year. He sat out. So when he committed to Tech, I went and watched Last Chance U. And this kid, I I might be as excited about anybody for his future, and he has three years remaining of uh, eligibility. Yeah, and you look at this roster, I mean, the biggest difference that you see between this one and years past is a lot of these guys on this roster are 6'6", 6'7", 6'8". I mean, I think we have, what, on the roster right now, we got 13 players, and all but four of them or so are in between 6'6", and 6'8", and they're all lengthy, too. So they have the wingspans to match their height, and if not even a little bit longer, of course. Um, And that's something that you see in a lot of championship teams. Like, one thing that I've noticed a lot is just watching the tournament, the teams that tend to succeed the most are the teams that are all tall, lengthy defenders and just guys that can move around quickly but still have that wingspan to get a little bit longer reach than some of the point guards um, and shooting guards in the league – or in the – I say in the league – in college basketball. With K.J. Allen, Ethan Duncan, and Daniel Bacho, I wouldn't be surprised to see all three of them not get much playing time or really get any meaningful minutes. K.J. Allen you could definitely see in there some – but Ethan Duncan and Daniel Bacho, I, I I would not expect to see them a lot. Ethan Duncan is probably going to be a redshirt this year. I mean, I think y'all can agree with me on that one. Have we confirmed? Is he on scholarship? Um. Uh, so w- if you follow Ryan Manville on Twitter, he keeps a list active. Um, we've heard a bunch of different reports from different people saying he's on scholarship, he's not on scholarship. And basically just being conservative, we're saying that we have one open scholarship right now. But I've if, heard he's on academic scholarship. Okay. So, yeah, I, I think if you're redshirting, not playing, you can be on academic scholarship, so that won't take one away. But, yeah, I, I do believe that we have one scholarship open right now, and I'm sure that's going to go to – or from everything I've heard in the past few days, that's going to 
be given to Kevin O'Banner. Open if he wants it. Kevin O'Banner. He can yeah. definitely have it. So I mean, if you, if you get O'Banner and you add him to this list, you're looking at a minimum Sweet 16 team with a chance to really do something special, in my opinion. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We have a great roster. Coach Adams has built a phenomenal staff. Um, just with what he's been able to do, even if we haven't got to see him any live action coaching yet, I think this is probably the best this roster could have turned out. If you asked somebody two days after uh, Coach Beard went down to UT, I think. Yeah, this- and this is definitely something I want to bring up: is this staff, right? Uh, Barry Peary gave up a head coaching job to come here and be the associate head coach. Uh, Corey Williams left Arkansas, the team that beat Tech in the tournament, to come to Tech. Calvin Hester uh, is a big-time recruiter, and if we get Kevin O'Banner, Calvin Hester will be a big reason we get Kevin O'Banner. Comes from Louisiana Tech. And I'm not going to lie, guys. Like, when the news broke about CB leaving town, I'm not even going to say his name. We'll just do his initials. What's his uh, name? No, I'm just yeah, kidding. I, yeah, yeah. I think everybody out there knows who we're talking about. Uh, yeah. Uh, I, I, I'm kind of kidding. Um, I don't want to take a petty uh, approach to this Chris Beard thing because let's be honest, Texas Tech basketball would not be where it is today without Chris Beard. Now, you can debate whether or not his motion offense works or how ugly the games were and the style of play that we played, but you can't deny the results. Yeah. We were three seconds away from winning a national championship at Texas Tech. And so I want to give the guy props, personally. We're, we'll give well, him we- props. Texas is his alma mater. Let him go. But then yeah. once, once the job opened up and – Everybody was like, oh, it's Coach Adams, it's Coach Adams, it's Coach Adams. I was like, "Uh, is that going to move the needle? Is that going to be what kids want to hear? Is that going to be what uh, gets us to the next level? Does that even keep us relative? Do we fall back? Remember, I was a student during the Pat Knight days. Do we go from a rocking USA to nobody showing up because we decided to give it to Coach Adams? No, the guy that I wanted – and I want to bring up his former Red Raider, um, Darvin Ham, who congratulations to Co- uh, Coach Ham, Darvin Ham, uh, in the NBA Finals right now with the Milwaukee Bucks, has just been named the head coach, next head coach of the Washington Wizards. And I was like, that's your guy. Younger, tech ties. At the time, I didn't know about a lot about Coach Adams. I'm not going to lie, but I was like, I was screaming for Darvin Ham to get this job once I found out he interviewed. And obviously, he's a good enough coach to be an NBA head coach. So if he could be an NBA head coach, he definitely could have coached his alma mater. And the whole thing with him breaking the backboard, like there was just a lot of symmetry there. I was, And I thought young kids would want to come play for a guy that can help get them to the NBA versus somebody that I wasn't sure about and Mark Adams, but slowly but surely, this player, Keenan Evans, um, Jared Culper, uh, Moretti, Rick Owens, Odiasi, all these guys came out and said, Mark Adams should be the next head coach of Texas Tech. And 
I was like, okay. If, if these guys that have been in that locker room say that's who we want as our head coach, I'm going to give them a chance. Yeah, I 100% agree with that there. Um, on the Adams thing, for, for the schedule, he's, he's been building a great schedule for this season is what I was getting at um, for this upcoming season, not only adding a talented roster, but adding a talented preseason schedule for us to go up against. I mean, we got Gonzaga coming up in, what, is that December? December 18th yeah. against Gonzaga. That one's in Arizona. Phoenix, uh, right? Play, yeah, we play Mississippi State in the Big 12 SEC uh, Challenge. That'll be in Lubbock. We go back to Madison Square Garden. I would love to see Tech play at Madison Square Garden. Red Raider Nation has shown up when we played there. We played Duke there, uh, almost beat them. Uh, and then we played Louisville and beat them uh, without Jemias that year. So we played up there twice. Red Raider Nation goes to New York uh, and brings the, the, the pain that we – normally do when we go places Raider power was loud on television I wish I could be there Uh, we're going back going back to Madison Square Garden which is exciting for these players and then in the Big Big East Challenge they have to go on the road to Providence so those are your big the schedule's not out yet but those are the big games that have been announced yeah and if if you think this team's not going to be ready for Big 12 play you're fooling yourself because they've got some doozies on the schedule yeah, and one more thing before we get before we get into the, how the national rankings perceive us, is if I asked you guys two days after how uh, two days after Coach Beard left, or two days after we had our Adams, whatever it may be, how much playing time Clarence Ndolny was going to get, you probably would have said he's going to be our starting point guard or going to be one of the starting guards. We're to a point now where, it, I mean, I I don't know that he's going to be getting a a lot of big time minutes in games. I mean, I could see him get a guy getting fifteen minutes a game probably max is where he's sitting now which is a great thing for texas tech i mean don't get me wrong that that is amazing that we have that much talent on this team where we have guys coming off the bench that we thought could have been starting for us and even now that they're coming off the bench they're still fighting with other guys for bench minutes yeah you're talking about guys like damian warren who averaged 20 points a game in college basketball last year and he may be a starter he might not be a starter we don't really know uh, Adonis Arms, these guys came here, and, and when we're getting these commits, we're like, oh, man, like they're pretty good. They're going to play Sadar Calhoun. And then we just keep adding talent. K.J. Allen was like the first one to, to mm-hmm. commit. And I was like, oh, dude, K.J. Allen's going to get a ton of minutes. And he still may. I, I think they may go small uh, and let K.J. Allen play a little bit of five. But we'll see that that – uh, no position, that positionless basketball that they like to play. Um, I definitely think that this team is deep. It's talented. And with Kevin O'Banner, look out. Um, Chris, man, what do you think about this team? I think there's a lot of experience. And when it comes to the NCAA tournament, experience means everything. If we go back to 2019 when we made the championship game, we had nothing but experience and older players. You can see what that did. Terry Cohen's, Brendon Francis, we had Matt Mooney. All those guys were older, so they led the team. And that's what Mark Adams did. He brought in all these older guys, and I think that's really going to contribute to what's going on behind the scenes, like in the locker room, in the group huddle, on the court. We're going to have leaders everywhere. And whether that be not only not being able to play much, but 
being able to lead the team on the bench, being able to come in whenever we need a burst, whenever we need a defensive stop, whenever we need a point guard to lead us on the court. Everywhere, there are players that can contribute in many ways, shooting, rebounding, defensive stops. And another thing about K.J. Allen, I think in a year, maybe not this year, but in a year or two, he's going to play like Mark Vidal from the Baylor Bears. He has the tenacity, the body for it. He's explosive. He's an athletic wing-type forward player. He's going to be a big deal for this tech program, and I don't think people realize it, and people don't mention him enough, but I think K.J. Allen is a big guy to keep an eye on. He's a big part of the future of this program, period. Exactly. He was a top recruit. Uh, I don't want to be wrong here, but I think he might have been player of the year in the state or player of the year in the region or something like yeah, that. He was one of the best players year. out of his state. Yeah, absolutely. So then he had to go to, uh, I don't know how many people. Did you guys watch last chance you, by the way? What did you think? I'm sorry, what, can, you, can you repeat that? I didn't catch yeah, it. Uh, what, did you guys, uh, do you have Netflix? Did you watch last chance you? What do oh, you think? Oh, okay. I, uh, yeah, I haven't gotten a chance to watch last chance you. Um, but I have, I have, I've watched plenty of tape on all of these guys. And KJ Allen, if nothing else, he will be a fun guy out there. He'll be a fun guy. He, I mean, you, you talk about guys that get the USA rocking. I mean, when he comes onto the court, he's going to be one of those guys that has his own chant or gets everybody riled up in there. I mean, I agree. I, I, I think he's already lost uh, some pounds uh, since being on campus. He looks shredded. Um, a, that's what a D1 uh, coaching staff, nutrition staff um, – strength and conditioning program that's what that does for for these freak athletes is they they get them in shape and without him playing last year at all due to covid he was probably a, a little little heavy coming in but dude he's already shredded oh, yeah. have you guys have you guys seen the pictures from uh that's another thing i mean we we could talk about his uh <laughs> how nice does that womble facility look yeah i know i mean it even Adonis Arms, I mean, I'm sure he's put on 20 pounds of muscle since he's been here. And, I mean, how could you not within the last name like Arms? I mean, if your last name is Arms, you, you got you got to be in the weight room all day. <laughs> be able to bench like 400 pounds. <laughs> yeah. Um, do you all have anything else to add for the basketball side? Oh, yeah. I mean, we, we still got to talk about our buddy Jeff Goodman, Andy Katz, and some of these Rusty. other guys around the country that even after TJ comes back, we were all hyped, right? Like – TJ's getting ready to announce, and, and we're all in a group chat together. And I'm like, watch. We're all waiting, and we're just waiting, and we're just waiting for the news. I go, I got to go to work here in, like, three hours. <laughs> and if I go to work and it comes out, I'm going to be one angry human being. And as soon as I punch the clock, my phone goes buzz, 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 and it's all you guys. He's in, he's in, he's coming back, he's coming back. I was like, I told you. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm just going to say, we're going to have to get you to post your uh, work schedule so we know when breaking news is coming out. Um, that, that'd be something helpful for us. But on that, everybody's been touching on the Jeff Goodman thing, this and that, about how the, these guys are underrating, which I will say they're underrating us, but – some of the guys that are doing it more often, like Jeff, he he's, he doesn't honestly think that, guys. He he is trying to get under your feathers, and I, I love watching it. It's, it is entertaining on Twitter. But um, I remember there was something. It was like, oh, is Tech in your top 75 now? And he was like, oh, yeah, just bumped him up to 74. I mean, he's having fun with y'all. Even, even if it doesn't look like it sometimes, 
he he notices that people were in the comments talking about how he wasn't mentioning a lot of uh, tech recruits at the beginning of the year and mentioning other schools. Um, he saw that and he was like, oh, y'all are getting really riled up. Let me go ahead and throw some gas on the fire here. I mean, it's all fun. I mean, for a lot of these guys, any publicity is good publicity. For the most part, you have guys like even Stephen A. Smith, who will just say, I mean, exclude what he said yesterday morning or this morning, whatever that happened. But a lot of the stuff he says, he, he does it because any publicity is good publicity for, for the most part. I mean, they can get hot takes, get people watching the show, even if he's not saying anything that's um, scholarly. Yeah, your, your Skips, your Stephen A's, now your Shannon Sharps of the world. Those, those type of shows, they want you to they want you to tune in. So they say outrageous things. Jeff Goodman, what he's doing to the tech fan base right now is just being a troll. And he's a professional journalist. And I'm, I'm not going to give him too much time. I, I think the fan base kind of needs to chill out on him. Because I tell you what, Joe Lenardi is a guy that's been doing this for a very long time for ESPN. And after TJ came back, he's got us as a sixth seed in the tournament in his, in his way too early projections. And we get Kevin O'Banner. You think we're going to stay a sixth seed? No. We're going to be higher than that. So, and then that's the thing. It doesn't matter until you get on the court and start playing ball. Oh, yeah. None, none of these preseason matter, uh, rankings or anything that we're getting worked up about are going to matter even for a split second the day after the first round of games. I mean, stuff's going to change up, jump around. And honestly, if, if you're a decent team, you're going to make the tournament. And so it really doesn't matter to get into there. But, of course, this is what we do. We talk sports, so we're going to break it down for you all. We're going to get into it. Um, One last but, thing before we transition out of basketball. Um, let's say, hypothetically, O'Banner comes. Who's the odd man out in the starting five? Is it? I, I think it's Santos Silva. I think Santos Silva becomes your sixth man because Bryson Williams started. Kevin O'Banner started. Yeah, and, and that is one thing we're going to have to watch. And honestly, with with us having so much offense, I've thought about this a lot, actually, DJ. So with us having so much offense, it might be nice to have a guy in there that can get those tip-out rebounds that he is so good at getting that don't go on the stat sheet. Um, just the parts where it's a jump ball and he jumps up and just hits it up. Even if he's not going to get it, he knows he stopped the other team from getting it right, right that second. Um, but yeah, I, I've, I've been thinking about that a lot too. I could see him easily slipping out of the starting lineup, but I could also see him staying in there just as a defensive guy and a rebound guy, just with how much, how, how many points we have on this roster. Yeah. I, don't, I didn't mean to cut you out, but I, I don't see if O'Banner's on the team, if he's not, Santos is obviously a starter. I, I don't I don't see any way where O'Banner, Williams, and Santos. Yeah, Silva exactly. Are it, it, it's it's a hard uh it's it's gonna it's gonna be hard for whoever's running our minutes this year to keep all these guys going. And one thing I I, I do want to point out, and I wouldn't don't don't panic, but if you see guys transfer beginning of the season um, or enter the portal, don't don't be surprised, don't be shocked, um, especially if it's some of the guys lower on the roster who aren't going to get as many minutes, and it's going to be just something that they can they can go somewhere to get themselves some minutes to you know kind of boost them up a little bit um, and it, it and it all cases it's not always a problem with the coaching staff it can be a just a problem of there's just not enough minutes on the team um, you got to go somewhere where you can improve and if you can't play live basketball it's hard to get a lot of improvement 
Yeah, and then the, the one thing that I've, there's been a lot of buzz lately is, uh, and, and I want to hear what Chris thinks about the team as well here in, here in a second, but uh, Kevin McCullough talking about playing him in that Jared Culver point forward type position. What do you guys think about that? I think that would be good because we're not sure who the floor general is going to be yet. It might be Malik Wilson. They said – I saw some things talking about Kevin McCuller being the floor general. With TJ Shannon being like that – in that Jared Culver role, he'll be able to take over when he needs to. He'll be able to slash. He'll be able to cut. He'll be able to do all sorts of things. But um, I'm not too sure what Adams is going to do with this rotation because, like you all have been saying, there is so much players on this team. There's so much experience from all angles. I mean, some of these players can play the forward, the one, the two, the three, the four. It just depends on what Coach Adam thinks is best. But I think TJ Sandin is your leader. He's what he's going to do the dirty things. He's going to do the dirty work. He's going to get it done down low. He's going to get it done up top. He can take you on the dribble. He can shoot it just like Derek Culver could. He could take you anywhere. He could take you to the rim. He could do whatever he wanted, basically. And that's what I think TJ Sandin will be able to do. He'll have the freedom to be able to do that. And I know that that's what we needed last year sometimes when we didn't have it, like, in close games at the end of games or, like, for example, the, the Arkansas game where we missed, like, three executive layups and people weren't being aggressive during the last few minutes instead of the last 30 seconds. And I just know TJ Shannon is – he's so important and vital to this team. And I believe him being in that jerk Culver role is going to – make Texas Tech that much better and we're going to take strides this year because we're going to have scores all over the table. I would really be interested to see which one of these young guards we have steps up to be the the ball handler guy when Kevin McCullough is not on the court because I, I, I can imagine him taking up the court now that's not a 100% locked in thing yet but I don't know who's going to be our our Stockton our passer our guy that's going to be dribbling up the court and even even scoring on their own I, I'm not sure who that guy's going to be yet. I can assume it'd be Kevin McCuller, but I would love to see KJ Allen, uh, Malik Wilson, or Agbo, even Nadolny, Calhoun, any of those guys um, get really comfortable with passing the ball and learning their teammates because that's one thing that gets undervalued. If you have a good point guard, even if he's not passing straight to assist, he's good at knowing where guys are going to be, when they're going to be there. Um, and yeah, the one thing I want to bring up real quick is the, uh, the ball movement, man, that Baylor had. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Watching Baylor last year, ball movement is to, to kind of back up your point, Keith. Like, ball movement is so important. And last year, the ball just got stuck, I felt like, so much in Max's hands. I'm not saying he's not a good player. I wish him the best. He did. He's a great Red Raider. All that, all that about Mac McClung. But I feel like the ball just got stuck in his hands. And what I don't know, I'm not a coach. I'm not a basketball expert per se, okay? I played basketball my whole life, but I don't know about that motion offense. And what Coach Adams has done is he wants to pick up the tempo. And I think some of our athletic guys, like Kevin McCuller, like TJ Shannon, like KJ Allen, all these guys that are just athletic freaks, he wants them to get out and run. And that's why he went out and got Coach Period. Well, and the last thing I'm going to touch on here is I, I'm really hoping not not of a full cult, culture shift of what we had, but just something a little different. If you watched last season now, 
we had a lot of good consecutive possessions, but then once we had our first bad possession, so just a missed shot or something, we right when we come back down the court, we come back down the court and take a shot majority of the time with more than 14, 15 seconds remaining on the shot clock, and it's a bad contested shot. And I, I just – my biggest thing is basketball is I hate taking heavily contested shots early in the shot clock. And it seemed whenever we got down on ourselves or in a bad run, we just kept shooting ourselves in the foot by, one, not even just slowing down a little bit just to focus and look around and reset. Um, we were just constantly go, go, go at the rim whenever we were down on these runs until somebody got a big dunk to change the momentum. And I would really love to see a coach or somebody on the sideline that can do that without us having to have a big highlight play. Somebody that can change the momentum just by talking to the team down there. Outside of that, I think that's all we got today for basketball. I want to remind you all, you all listen to the Guns Up Nation podcast. That is at Guns Up Voice on Twitter. Getting into what, let's see, we got baseball now. We have, yeah, or no, we have football now, correct, right? Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. There were a few things that uh, we wanted to say about some Red Raiders that aren't in the big three sports. So we wanted to do some shout outs to some very important Red Raiders. I think you have the list of uh, we have some Red Raiders that are going to represent in the Olympics. Uh, just to name a few, we have Ruth Asoro. It's going to be uh, competing in triple jump in Tokyo. And then we have Rosemary uh, Chukwama. Forgive me for my pronunciation, but she'll be competing in the 100-meter, 4-by-100-meter relay in Tokyo as well. And there's, a, there's quite a few others, but that's all I have on my list right now. Yeah, I know uh, like Ogbo played in uh, – went to tryouts for the Nigerian team. We had a few other guys go in tryouts around for basketball. I think we had one one other guy. Um, Brandon Francis, I know, I think was out there with the uh, with his team, right? Yes, he was competing with his team as well. So, guys, this, this is kind of the thing y'all been waiting for for a few weeks on this show. We are, we're going to finally break down football with it just under two months away, a big game down in Houston – um, followed up by, of course, two more preseason games, and then we get into Big 12 play. Uh, TJ, Chris, what are you all looking forward to most in this season? Uh, what I think about football right now, being a student back in the Leach era and the Crabtree era, is I want this team to be able to not be a bottom feeder in the Big 12. And I think Red Raider Nation out there is a very forgiving fan base. They don't ask a lot. But can, can this team get to a bowl game? That's, like, that's my question, right? Like, this is Coach Wells' uh, third or fourth year now. But he's had a chance to bring in some players. We've gotten some transfers. And you only have to win six games to get to a bowl game. And I don't think that's too much to ask, in my opinion. I, I know that we're, we're going to get into it. We're going to break everything down. And the pundits have us right – in front of Kansas and as far as Big 12 predictions go. But this season is all about Sonny Cumbie. You asked me the question what I think about this season. I think Sonny Cumbie coming home and being able to fix a broken offense. Let's be honest. The offense the last couple of years has not looked pretty. Yeah, and one thing I want to mention on Sonny Cumbie is you can look at his past work, but I don't – his most recent work at least – I don't feel like that's a great indicator. I heard when he was down in TCU, he wasn't really controlling the offense. He was more of a guy put in that position as a placeholder and did other offensive coordinator duties. 
But from what I've heard, he wasn't really the one running the offense down there where he was at. And when he got up to Tech or when he was offered the job at Tech, he was kind of allowed to change up the offense from the most part, what I've heard, and kind of do what he wants the offense to be more like. Just a, a lot of passing and then – but also a strong run game, which is going to be nice. Um, coming into Wells, though, just, just from football history in general, the last time we had back-to-back seasons where our win percentage got better from one season to another – was 2007-2008. And I, I want to say if you count one of those two, uh, Tuberville years, he does that too, but it, that's coming off of a Leach year where Leach was – or I guess going – no, from the last Tommy Tuberville year to the first uh, Cliff year, there was double improvement there, but that's changing head coaches. Anyways, but for example, our first season with Wells, we went 4-8. and eight. Last season, we went 4-6. and six. So our win percentage is getting a little bit worse. and I, Or, I mean, a little bit better. And I, I would like to see a, another consecutive season of getting better. Not not getting better from where he started, but getting better from the most recent season. So going in the, a positive direction compared to a negative direction. Yeah, and it's hard to see the positive direction. But what he's doing at Texas Tech from his first year to his second, and then now this is his third year, is – so there are little things here and there. So, like, the offensive line is getting better, and he's recruiting players. So, in 2019, we allowed 24 sacks. 2020, we allowed 17. And then penalties as well. From 2019 to 2020, penalties went down. And the yardage of penalties as well. And it's, it's just a little minor details like that. And then this year, from him retaining all the talent from last year, like Schooler and then Demarcus Fields and Rico Jeffers, players like that on your defense, leaders, I think that's going to go and bode well for us on the defensive side. And because of the defense being able to make stops and make the plays here and there, that's going to make our offense more motivated to push it. And like y'all were talking about, Sonny Cumbie, he's coming in with history. He played at Texas Tech. He has coached against Texas Tech and – I feel like him coming in, he's going to bring his style of play and he's going to bring in that old style air raid and bring it in and like refresh the offense and let him grow and let him find themselves again. Because we've been in, like y'all talked about again, we've been in this rut of where our offense hasn't been good and we've been trying to reach the surface. We haven't gone over it yet. And I think this year, because of Cumby, because of the relationships he's had with Texas Tech, because of him being able to love his school and love what he does, I think the players are going to see that. I think the players are going to begin to love their school as well, and they're going to love and grow with him. And I think because of that, this offense is going to get better, and our defense is already going to be good. But I think both sides of the ball are going to be better because of experience, because of growth, because of the relationships with the coaches. I think that bond is going to be better, and I think that's why this football season will be better. And I know y'all don't. I know the fans out there don't see it. Twenty nineteen four and eight was not good. You know, people, of course, don't want to see four and eight. But four and six in twenty twenty, like I said, it's the minor details that make all the difference. And then he's recruiting players that are better and better. He, he just got his first four-star guy, and he'll get better. We just got to give him the chance. And I think this year, for me, the four is four and eight. The ceiling is seven and five. I'm right there at six and six, but I think we, we could be seven and five. It just depends. What do you all think? 
I think there's a few areas we still really need to target. Um, it's going to be interesting to see how our line get goes without, of course, our, our main guy, uh, Jack Anderson, being there. Um, even not even just being game, not being in the locker room. Of course, he's down, he's in the NFL now. Um, with our line already struggling a little bit last year, I really hope they're going to be able to regroup and get back together and protect our new quarterback that we got from Oregon, um, Tyler. I, I think that'll be a, a huge point for this Tech football team is shoring up the offensive line. Because <clears throat> honestly, in college football, you have a lot of fast receivers. Now you do have the you do have special guys who can make things happen that other guys can't do. But for the most part, if you have a solid quarterback and a solid O line, you're going to have a good offense. And I think that's hopefully an area we'll focus on. And then you mentioned uh, Coach Wells doing better in recruiting. I, he, he's done a lot better, and we've been doing pretty good in the transfer portal. I would like to see us get a little bit more active in the Texas recruiting scene just within yeah. the state. I think that's going to be a big touching point for Wells over the next few years if he hopes to continue to be successful at Texas Tech. I'm with you. I, I, I think, like I said, I and, and this is going to me come across as me sounding like the the old guy here, but I, I remember back when we used to fling the ball all over the yard, right? And the coolest thing that I could find is that from 2002 to 2016, we had 11 years in which a quarterback has thrown for 4,000 yards. You guys know that since Patrick Mahomes left, Lubbock, only Nick Schimanek in 2017 has passed for 3,000 yards, and we haven't had a single 4,000-yard passer since Pat Mahomes left town. When we had 11 years with a quarterback throwing for over 4,000 yards from 2002 to 2016. Yeah, and a little bit, of course, is due to injury, but yeah, I, definitely what you're saying, we we need to find a guy that can fling the ball around for us. We need to get our offense up and running. Our defense is getting better and better each year. Um, I know this first year Wells came in, but prior to Wells, me and my buddies, we had a game where – a drinking game where if Tech forced a four and out, you had to finish your drink. And doing that with Wells, you, you might actually get buzzed watching a Tech football game compared to in the past um, doing that. So I, I think that was something that was cool to see because we were talking about that, of course, at the beginning of last season, the season before that with my buddies is – Wow, we're getting four and outs. What what are those? Being a tech football fan, we have not seen those in the past and and re- recently and often. No doubt. And what will this offense look like? I think is going to be a, a huge question mark. Uh, will Sonny Cumbie go complete air raid? Will it be like a combo like Yost tried? Because I remember reading when uh, Wells brought Yost in from Utah State uh, that it was a blend of a little air raid and committing to the run. Are we going to run the ball? What is uh, the offensive line going to do blocking up front? And then can we get a pass rush? Obviously in the big 12, you've got a lot of prolific offenses. One thing you have to do is try to find a way to get to the quarterback. If not, you got to get your hands up and try to knock balls down that kind of thing. So there's a lot of, Room for improvement, obviously. People only have us in front of Kansas. And, shoot, they're a mess. We deserve to be above Kansas. But I think that we've got a shot here. And internally, the guys I've been talking to, there's a lot of optimism about this team maybe being able to finish six, seven, dare I say, eight wins. Yeah, and you mentioned the mess going on at Kansas. I mean, 
we're not going to break down the whole story, but just be thankful to fans. I mean, a lot of like you'll see a lot of scandals in sports, but usually scandals happen with good teams. I mean, teams that are prominent doing well, and then you see Kansas, who's getting destroyed every season and has scandals. I mean, be be thankful for where we're at, even though it's not anywhere near where we should be at or what our expectations are. Just be glad we're not Kansas football right now. Yeah, things things could be worse. We could be tenth out of ten. <laughs> yeah, ex- exactly. Um, what do you guys expect him from uh, Tyler Shaw, the the Oregon transfer? I'm expecting like numbers wise, or just like his impact on the team. His impact on the team. Period. Impact. I think he's going to bring some strong leadership. He, I mean, he won the Pac-12 championship last year. I don't think people realize that he's bringing that. Also, he can sling the ball. He really can. And my prediction of what he can do this year is I think if we're going to say predictions, 4,000 yards, and I'm saying close to 30 touchdowns, that's my prediction, but I'm not sure. What about you all? What do you think, Keith? Yeah, with Tyler, I mean, I, I think it's more going to depend on the system he has around him. Like, like I said, none of us have any idea what this offense is going to look like. I mean, the spring game was a mess. If you went to it, you didn't learn anything. There wasn't a lot to see at the spring game. Um, I really think it's going to be dependent on how good this O-line is. If we have a good passing O-line, um, I think he's going to be in a great position to succeed. I mean, we've seen the slew of great quarterbacks that have come through the Big 12 and put up big numbers. So to say anything less than 3,500 yards, would I, I would say would be a disappointment. I mean, I don't know if you all would disagree with that. but Yeah, I agree. That would be a disappointment to me. And I think the fan base would, dis- would agree too because – when we heard the name Tyler Show and the the school that he came from, Oregon, you know, you expect big things from Oregon players. And I just think 3,500 yards would be a disappointment. And north of 3,500 yards, I think, would be a very good positive. And I think that's that's definitely growth from last year. With that being said, my favorite thing on Tyler, though, is if you go back and watch the tape, and I, I will say this until I stop watching football <laughs> – but the most important thing to watch for a quarterback, even moving from one level to another or just moving across level like Tyler's doing here, is see how they perform against the blitz. I, I don't care how they're throwing deep accuracy as their short accuracy. Show me what they do in the blitz because when you get to higher level competition, guys are going to be getting back there faster. Regardless if they're running a blitz or not, guys are going to get back there faster and see how, the, how quickly your quarterback can really get the ball out when he needs to. I think that's one of the most important things. And Tyler showed an ability to be able to get the ball out relatively quickly. So hopefully, even even if our line doesn't sure up, he'll be able to get in get in some good throws there. Yeah, can you keep the play alive? Can you can you make a play? That was when when obviously it seems silly now to compare anybody to Pat, but we're talking about college Pat. The one thing about Pat when he was in Lubbock was we finally had an air raid style quarterback. They could move a little bit. They could avoid that first guy coming free and keep a play alive and keep his eyes downfield to look to make a throw. And we had guys, granted, your B.J. Simmons, Sonny Cumbie, Graham Harrell, all of them lit it up, but they were Peyton Manning. They were statues back there. Like, the ability to have some athleticism and keep a play alive is extremely important in today's game. 
Yeah, and I'll actually kind of counterpoint that just a tad is with Mahomes and these guys, I, I would like love to see them throw the ball away a lot more than they do. I mean, um, most of our quarterbacks, even not the superstar ones, get injured more often than any other team's quarterbacks that I've seen in recent history. I mean, we had uh, – I mean, of course, Dallas we're, – we're excluding NFL. I'm not going to talk about the Cowboys hurting four quarterbacks or the Bengals hurting eight quarterbacks. But <clears throat> just as far as – I mean, Mahomes almost every game had a nagging injury. And I remember in the OU game, I think, that, that big game where he threw for like 40,000 yards or something crazy. Um, he was he was hurting on that right shoulder, and I would love to see our guys be able to – not even just throw the ball away quickly, but get it to a guy that can make a play on it quickly without putting a lot of risk on it. So if if you see a nose tackle in your face, not only get out of there and try and extend the play, but if you can touch the running back running that little short route over the middle, I mean, you, you got to be hitting those quickly. That's the biggest difference between the quarterbacks that are really successful and the quarterbacks that are kind of successful with the college level. Because the vast majority of these guys are mobile and can can run and can get away. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. Um, there's so many questions, right? Like that's the, that's the beauty of playing the games is until we get on the field, we don't know what we have. The pundits outside of Lubbock think that we're not going to be very good. I heard a lot of optimism from a lot of different people about this team. So is Coach Wells going to be able to get the best out of his players and be able to stick around? This is his program now. I know he has a lot of support in the community, and he's done real well, but let's be honest, it's time to start winning football games. Yeah, and I, I would say that I, I'm not sure what the patience level is on the tech side, but I know th- the donors are always antsy. They're always going to be antsy. They're always going to want the next guy as soon as the first guy – has any little hint of not succeeding immediately. But with that being said, I'll never call for a coach's job. And I'll say, hey, here's what I think the organization should do. But I'll never say, hey, he should be fired. I should say, hey, there's the changes that need to be made, stuff like that. But, yeah, I, I would say that Wells does need to get a get a bowl game this year in order to keep his job with the staff. Now, I'm not saying he should be fired. I'm just – like I said, I'm, I'm saying this. This is what I think Texas Tech will do if he's not able to – get a bowl game this year. And of course, barring any injuries, injuries always have an effect on how a front office goes into an off season with their coaches. I mean, of course you don't want to fire a guy who lost four quarterbacks and freak accidents that year due to injury. But at some point you do have to say, Hey, are we moving forward here? Or are we staying still or going backwards? And I think that we're about at that point with Wells where you can really get a good judge of, are we moving forward or are we moving backwards? I'll go longer than that. It's been since Leach. We have not done anything. I'll be that guy. Since Leach left town, what have we done in football? It's gotten to the point where alums like me just watch the game and go, uh, yeah, I mean, we might win. Are we going to make a bowl game? Probably not. Yeah, for for the AP poll, just just to to add to your point here, um, for Leach's seasons, he was here for one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten seasons. Three, four, five, six, seven of those seasons we were ranked in AP poll. Since Leach has left, we've been ranked five times total in the AP poll. 
two of those times being 24 and 25. So, and that, that was, that was our high for those seasons. So even those were Mahomes years, weren't they? Yep. Those were both Mahomes years. So even just to get back, actually, I think the second year might not have been the 25. I don't think that was a Mahomes year, but regardless, um, just to get back to being appearing on the polls would be, it would be fantastic. I mean, just, just to make an appearance there. Yeah. I mean, that was the expectation in Lubbock when I was a student, that was the, that was, it should be the expectation. Now it's a big program. It's a great university with a lot of support from a passionate fan base. And that's my question to you guys is with basketball doing what they're doing and the expectations there are, let's make the tournament minimum. Got to make the tournament. And then once you get in a tournament, it's like, all right, like, depending on who's on the team and like what coach coach CB did uh, with the, with some of these guys, it, the expectations are, all right, like, I'm going to be honest, my expectations for the basketball team last year were if we don't make the sweet 16, this season's a failure. Baseball. It's like, I'm up here in Kansas city right now. And I took a, I took a day trip, went up to the college world series. I wish I could have seen tech, but that is the expectation for the baseball team is we've gotten to the point where it's Omaha or bust and this football team hasn't gotten it together. And I just, I, I don't understand why this program cannot be a top 25 program at the same time as basketball and baseball every single year. Like maybe I'm expecting too much, but I know red Redder nation and it's not like we're asking to compete for big 12 championships or national championships, have a winning record, be fun to watch, and go to a bowl game or two. Well, like, TJ, TJ and Chris, one more thing to mention here is that 12 teams now make the college football playoffs. So we got we, we, we have a long shot now being in the season, whereas before we didn't even have a long shot. I mean – So you're I, telling me there's a chance. Yeah, exactly. With four teams, there was absolutely zero chance. With 12 teams, we have a 1% chance for this next season. So, I mean, I mean, there, there's something there now. And I, well, I that think, would be something if we made the playoffs. Yeah, I think I think that that would be stretching our hopes a little too far. But if everything goes perfect, yeah, you, you could see us there, and some unexpected things go well as well. I mean, yeah. But to it get to the to top twelve, it's, it's, we got a lot of work to do right now. Well, it's, yeah, it's not just the top twelve. I mean, this is. Uh, I mean, you have to be at the top top of your conference. Like, I mean. Yeah, at large to get to, to think about the at large berths, three probably three of them are going to the SEC. SEC at least two to the Big so, Ten. Yeah, Big Ten might get two or three teams. The hell, the Pac Ten might get a couple teams in there. So uh, the Big Twelve, I could see getting two maybe, but I, I have no idea. Nobody really does until this thing plays out. But that's that's a pipe dream, you guys. Let's be realistic. Like, let's just take positive steps in the right direction and get this program back on track. And it starts with having a winning record. Yeah. So now with all that said, let's, let's get down to the business. I mean, we got first game coming up, I believe September 4th in Houston at the um, Texan stadium down there. It won't be at U of H. So it's a technically neutral site game, but it's still going to be down in Houston. The odds for that game starting off are Texas tech by seven and a half points. So Texas tech by a touchdown. What do y'all think of that? Who, who are y'all taking today? 
for, for with with the spread. So seven and a half. I'd take Texas Tech based off how Houston played last year. New coach, just the they they weren't able to play as many games either last year, so they weren't able to get as many games under the belt. Not enough experience, but. We don't know how they're going to play this year either. And we don't know how Tech's going to play either. But I'd still take Tech. Yeah. Um, I'm going to be optimistic here. Normally, I, w- I mean, I would I would say that we're going to come out of the gate sluggish. But I, I, I like what Wells has done. Uh, and I want to give Sonny Cumbie the chance to come out and prove to Red Raider Nation that we can come out and get a win. Start the season off on the right foot. So, what'd you say the line was? Minus seven. Oh, se- seven and a half for uh, Texas Tech. We're seven and a half point favorites. Yeah. I'm, yes, not, sir. I'm not going to make a. I'm not going to say that we cover. Just win the football game. Yeah, that that's where I was going with it. I don't. I don't think we'll cover there, but I think we're going to hit it. I think. I think we're going to win the game. And for me, in the past, I've until actually last season, I had never overrated Texas win-loss total for the end of the season. I'd been right a few times, had been – had uh, actually underrated us a few times. Hard to believe over the past few years. Last year I thought we were going to get five wins. Um, we didn't hit that mark. So this year I'm, I'm going to try and go a little bit more with uh, – try, trying to stay out of all the hype as much as I possibly can. But, it, it, again, it's hard being a Tech fan and not getting hyped up about your own teams. But, I, yeah, I, I think we'll win the game, but I don't think we're going to win with the spread. What would your record prediction be, Keith? For this upcoming season? Yeah. Oh, let's see. We got the, I, I, we're going to win all three of the non-conference games. Um, yeah, I got us going six and six. I, I got us going the classic Cowboy record, um, even. I, I think yeah. we're going to go right down the middle this year. I have uh, six and six as well. If all goes right, we just lose to OU. Um in our conference, I, th- I think if all goes right, we can end up beating Texas. I mean, we almost did it last year with nobody really back there re- holding the team down at quarterback. But, I mean, again, I'm, you know, I, w- I would not bet a single dollar on us beating Texas. I mean, in fact, I'd probably bet on Texas winning. I'm just saying if everything goes right, we lose the Big 12 to you. <laughs> that, <laughs> yeah. that, that, that's in my eyes. <laughs> yeah, no, with all these games, I think Houston you can win. You better beat FIU, Stephen oh, yeah. F. Austin. Like those are those are the gimmies, right? You, you, I mean, you should start out three and zero. When you get into conference play, what is this team going to do in the Big Twelve? They, September twenty fifth, they open the conference play against the Longhorns in Austin. I'm going to be in Vegas at the sports book, ready to place my wager down. Uh, we don't condone betting out there, folks. Just, <laughs> yeah, just kidding, but I'm going to be in Vegas. I'm taking a trip with the boys uh, for this game, and I have high expectations. Uh, I'm going to be optimistic, and I'm going to call the upset. So I'm going to say we start the season 4-0, and and then we're going to be Kansas, so that's five. Uh, do I see another win on the schedule? Iowa State, no. Oklahoma State, Kansas. Can we beat Kansas State? I think that's a big game. October twenty third in Lubbock. Um, that those are going to be swing games. Oklahoma State, A State, Texas, um, and and then that's saying that you don't slip up and lose a game that you're supposed to win. Oh yeah, and then I you you mentioned this. Um, 
if I gave y'all two games to watch the whole season, I'm not ignore all rivalries, all um, media storylines. If I gave you two games to watch this season to determine where Tech football is at as a team, what two games do you want to choose? Uh, I got Texas Tech versus Iowa State. That's at home on November 13th. And then another big one for me is uh, West Virginia at West Virginia on October 2nd. Those are two big games for me because I think we could both we could win both those games, especially the one at home against Iowa State. Even though they're good, they've struggled here in Lubbock for the last few years. But there was that one year they blew us out. But I think Texas Tech, for some reason, matches up against Iowa State very well. And last year, if they would have just, you know, played someone else, we could have had a chance. My two games are going to be uh, against the Longhorns and then last game of the year, November 20th, in Lubbock. It better be at night. We better be wearing all black at some point during the season. So I'm going to pick this game. Oklahoma State, that's always a fun one. It's always back and forth. At least uh, traditionally, we tend to play Oklahoma State decent. Um, and those games are, are fun as a fan. So you're, you're asking me which one I, I want to see. I want to see Oklahoma State come to Lubbock and try to get a win. Uh, and Because that game, let's say that it's, it's an important game for many reasons. One, it could be whether or not you go to a bowl game. It could be whether or not you have a winning record. It could be whether or not you're going to win seven, eight games. So that game is, is huge in my eyes. It's, it's the last home game of the year, and it's the last conference game of the year, and I think it's important. Yeah, I can definitely see that. For me, I, I would probably – I would agree with Chris on the West Virginia part, but I would, I would actually probably go with um, Oklahoma State. I feel like it would be a good, a, a good team to see where we're at. I feel like they're a team that's – a uh, little bit above our level, not too far out of reach for us to win. And then I feel like um, West Virginia is a team that theoretically we should beat. And I, if we should beat them, I want to see how, how well we handle ourselves in that game. And I think that'll be our, our game that'll really tell us where we're at outside of this Houston game for early in the season, at least. I mean, I, I at, at the point when we get when, once the West Virginia game is finished, we should be able to basically break down how we're going to finish the season, wins and losses wise. We should have a good idea of how the other teams in the Big Twelve are and how Texas Tech is at that point. So I think that that's the perfect game to kind of target there and see where we're at early in the yeah, season wise. I definitely agree. Uh, we match up well with West Virginia. Oh, go ahead, TJ. I was going to say, I, uh, we were starting to uh, have a lot of fun there, getting into predictions and getting a little ahead of ourselves. But, uh, you know, that's that's what this podcast is here for, right? We're going to be here all through every single one of these games. I'm looking forward to it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's going to be a great season. Uh, and if I wanted to see if you guys had any final thoughts on, on football or if you wanted to, to keep going, if you had anything to add. Yeah, I don't really have anything to add as far as content-wise, but I do have some information for y'all. I mean, we're working on uh, working with some guys, working on putting a tailgate together down in Houston, trying to make sure if, if you can be down in Houston, try and be there. It's going to be a heck of a time. And then also for these games, we're going to be doing live post-game shows. So 
hop on Twitter, hop on Facebook, hop on wherever you watch live streams at, and we're going to be there. We're going to be breaking down the post, the show, the the games as soon as they're finished for y'all. Um, it's a lot of fun. We always have a lot of fun on those, and we're going to be trying, including a lot of the other podcasts on our great podcast network, which happens to include Talk and Tech, Tortillas and Takes, and of course the Ramblin' Raiders. Outside of that, be, be sure to follow us on Twitter. I mean, Guns Up Voice, this is the Guns Up Nation podcast. And breaking down or go, getting into the last segment of our show, we have a lot of baseball stuff to cover, especially um, news over the past week or so, surprisingly, even though the season ended a little bit earlier than we expected with the um, three-game or the two-game series sweep by Stanford. But we had the MLB draft. That was tough, wasn't it, guys? Yeah, that, I mean – we had, as far as benefits could go for giving us the edge, we had them all going into the series. I mean, our pitchers were rested. We had a, we swept our regional. Uh, Stanford had not played a game all year in temperatures at 80 degrees or above. Game time temperatures for, for both games were 105 plus. So Texas Tech should have had every advantage we could have. And, man, it, it was tough to be out there in the stands, not only because of the heat, but because of what was going on on the field too. Yeah, I mean, I had to record the games because of uh, my work situation, but it was it was almost like they weren't ready to play. And I'm not calling Tim Tadlock out by any stretch of the imagination. I'm not calling the players out. I'm just saying sometimes the other team just kicks your butt. And Stanford came into Lubbock and just gave it to us. Yeah, and so we're going to get kind of breaking down some of the more recent stuff. Micah Dallas, our, one of our star pitchers, probably our star – Oh, I, one of our star pitchers, I said, would be the best way to put that, so I should have just left it there. But he has moved down to – transferred down to Texas A&M. Uh, it's a little bit closer to home. And I really think this has a lot to do with NIL. But like I said earlier, y'all, y'all, like TJ said earlier, y'all going to hear this a lot. It's going to be a constant subject. Um, going down to A&M, I think he knows he can be the number one starter there. If not, definitely the number two guy and he can kind of build a brand, make some money. Um, I mean, I know college baseball guys aren't going to make a lot of money, but I, I think Chris can probably attest to this. The minor league guys don't don't make a lot, and if you're on scholarship at a D1 university, I mean, I'm, I, I would say them giving you a place to live and feeding you for most days for baseball is a little bit more than you might get out of some of the lower-level minor league stuff. Well, I'll add this real quick, and I'm a I'm a huge Ranger fan. This isn't a professional sports show. This is a college show. But there was a there was an article out that some Rangers minor leaguers were getting turned down for apartments because of the income verification. They didn't make enough money to afford a place to get approved to live. So yeah, that, to your point, uh, it, it's tough down there in the minor leagues, and we got a, a ton of Red Raiders to discuss that got selected in the MLB draft and these guys have some of them have a tough decision to make on whether or not they're going to go pro and whether or not they're going to come back to school. Not only that, some of the Texas Tech commits got drafted uh, over the last few days. Yeah, I believe one got selected in the third round by the Rangers. Yes. If I'm not wrong. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then I think we had the second most guys drafted in the whole draft as well. Um, out of, out of, for, for any school, I, I believe Texas Tech had the most guys drafted. Yeah, we were tied for second, I think, when most people drafted. Yeah, I know after the uh, second day, I think we had doubled up the next closest group, so a lot of the guys that caught up caught up on that last day, 
Ooh, yeah, well, see, good. at one point, and this is, I'll, I'll take, I care about this stat more than the, we came in second overall. On day two, at one point, we had seven players drafted, and Vanderbilt, who was in the College World Series and in, in the Championship Series, and is consistently pumping out major leaguers, only had four players drafted. Yeah, but but to be fair to Vanderbilt, team. yeah, to be fair to Vanderbilt though, I, I believe two of those guys were in the top ten um, on the draft board. Oh, I'm not knocking Vandy. Yeah. I'm just saying, like a, a seven to four advantage. Oh just yeah, shows the depth that Texas Tech had. And we had guys like uh, Hunter Dobbins is one. I, I'm really hoping he uh, takes a two or four year exception, decides to come back because he's a guy that I would have loved to see last season. I mean. Hunter was a guy that starting pitcher that could hit a hundred, um, not consistently, but he hit 99, 98 pretty consistently throughout um, the preseason stuff from what we have heard. And then he had that big, uh, I think it was a UCL injury, if I'm not wrong, that shut him down yeah. for the whole season. So if you haven't heard the name Hunter Dobbins, it's because he was injured all of last year and didn't get to play, but he was likely going to be our number one or number two guy starting. Um but yeah, we've had a lot of guys move around. What do y'all what, what do y'all think Micah Dallas's reasoning was between heading down to A and M from Texas Tech? I think it was just his role on the team. I think he just didn't like the role he had here at Texas Tech. And like you said, he wanted to be that starter pitcher, that second one in the rotation. I think that's the biggest reason why he left. Absolutely. I think he did it because starters get drafted um, and they get higher bonuses than relievers nine times out of 10. And if he had come back to tech and they wanted him back in that bullpen swing role, closer role, um, he might've cost himself some money. So I, I do think that this is all about pro ball. Mike Dallas to go to A&M, even though A&M, they got uh, TCU's coach Jim Slosnagel to go to A&M because we gave Tadlock that lifetime, and I will repeat, lifetime extension to be our head coach, which I can't be more excited about. Um, it, it's about the opportunity to start versus be on a team that has the expectation to go to Omaha. And A&M doesn't have that expectation right now, at least going into next season. Um, that's that's my reasoning for it. Oh, um, you know, to touch on the NIL thing one more time, sorry to interrupt here. I just wanted to get this in. Um, for, for the NIL stuff, I think we're going to see, and I, I want you all to kind of hop in on this when you, feel, uh, when, when you feel like you want to, but I feel like you're going to see more balancing college sports compared to where before people thought, oh, these players getting sponsorship deals. I mean, that's just going to mean every single player is going to be going to the top school. But I think with what we're seeing is a lot of these players are transferring to smaller schools or I mean in case of AM not necessarily a smaller school but um, schools where they can be the number one guy on that team compared to them being a number two or three guy even if they're the best at their position clearly and going to get all the minutes that doesn't mean that some other guy on the team is going to be taking away sponsorship money from him yeah I think NIL leads to business decisions now a lot of these kids are going to schools where they're going to be the main player. They're going to be number one. They're going to be the face of their team. Like I said, it's just all business. They want to make a name for themselves. That way people in the pros see them more, you know. Yeah, and you mentioned Hunter Dobbins, right? He was taken in the eighth round. Um, slot value for that is 188K, right? 
Yeah. If there's there's a lot of players, and I want to rec- I've got them pulled up right here. I want I want to recognize all the Red Raiders because I I, I think they deserve it. Um, and Cal Conley is the first player we're going to talk about, and or I guess he's not the first, but he's the first player I'm going to mention. And his slot value is 450k. He got picked in the fourth round, pick number 126. And I think if Cal Conley comes back to this team and turns that down, he's a first or second round pick, and he's making twice that next year. I know this is a tough decision, um, and he might go ahead and sign. But what people don't understand about college baseball and going to the pros is once they get that, it's all, it's all about the bonus money. That's the biggest part of it. Once that bonus money has gone, like we talked about a few minutes ago, it's a struggle for these minor leaguers, the bus rides, the not making a whole lot of money. Um, it's, it's a tough grind if you don't make it to the big leagues. And the percentage of guys that make it to the big leagues isn't very high. So for a guy like Cal Conley, who All-American candidate, um, leader on your team, right? I, I think he has he, a decision to make. Now, he, he may just say, all right, I'm going to sign. I haven't heard whether or not he's come out and said anything yet. Um, but that's a decision I would be interested to see because I think if he comes back, he – he can help lead this tech team on another season towards Omaha and possibly be a, a first or second round pick as a shortstop next year. And do we have, does anybody happen to know that date off the top of their head of uh, the signing date? The, well, the, the date that, yeah, the date they have to make that decision. Uh, no, not yet. I, 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 don't, I don't have a clue. I want to say that there's a date, a little bit later in August. Um, I mean, August 15th. Yeah, that, yeah, that had the, and that's for the players to decide if they want to sign the contract or not, right? Yes. So, but does the NCA have any sort of deadline set off on their own? Because, I, yeah, so if that's so, I think that's the only deadline that we really need to pay attention to because I was yeah, looking they at said, uh, No, that's not it. It's, it's somewhere near the end of July, I think. Okay, so yeah, there there is that deadline that's gonna say, hey, you gotta, uh, the NCAA is gonna say, hey, you gotta sign or come back by this date, or you lose your eligibility. Yeah, sim- sim- similar to the thing we just went through with Terrence Shannon Jr., where we had to wait till the last second. Now, hopefully, a lot of these guys made their decision to go or stay by that point, and we're not left waiting again, because that was a that was very energy consuming. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Guys, real quick, let's just let's just give props to these kids that were on the Tech baseball team that got drafted. Uh, Drew Baker went in the fourth round to the Tampa Bay Rays. Uh, Braxton Bulfer, the catcher, goes uh, to the Colorado Rockies in the sixth round. Mason Montgomery, the pitcher, uh, goes to the Tampa Bay Rays as well as Drew Baker. Ryan Sublett goes in the seventh round to the Dodgers. You, got, you already mentioned Hunter Dobbins. He went to the Red Sox in the eighth round. And uh, Patrick Montverde, uh, also in the eighth round, going to the Marlins. Then to wrap it up, Brandon Birdsell went in the 11th round. And Dylan Noisy um, actually went in the 17th round. So he, he was drafted today. He was the only Tech player, I believe, that was drafted today. 
uh, or maybe Bird Cell as well. And they were both drafted by the Twins. So congratulations to these student athletes, man, and representatives of Texas Tech for getting drafted. I, I think this shows that not only is Tech one of the premier programs in the country, like we're, we have some staying power, man. And, and not even with the guys that just got drafted. I mean, we got a lot of guys out there doing a lot of good things as we speak. I mean, we had Jace Young and Josh Young. Both, both of those brothers last week were mashing. Um, Jace had a futures game with uh, USA, um, a little showcase thing, I believe. And then Josh Young down in A for the Rangers has been obviously mashing. I mean, if you're a Rangers fan, you know this. Um, big, big time Ranger fan. About to move back from Kansas City to Arlington myself. And I expect to see uh, Josh Young playing third base for the Rangers for a long time to come. Uh, since he he was hurt to start the year, but since he's been in Double A, he is in 270, 269 basically, and he's got four homers and 15 RBIs out there in Frisco. So he's he's doing a pretty good job right now, um, driving in runs, playing good defense, and I, I want to see more. I want to see some, what he can do in Double A. But I know every time I'm on Twitter and he hits a moonshot, that's my one question with uh, with Josh Young. Is it the, the power with the wood bat? Is he going to hit enough homers to play third base in the big leagues? Uh, that's my only question with well, Josh. What a lot of people actually don't realize with baseball is the wood bats and the metal bats. Um, when you get a wood bat, you're going to have a little bit more bend and a little bit more flex now you're going to have a bigger sweet spot as well, but the sweet spot won't be, won't have quite as much pop as on a metal bat. So on, on a, on a metal aluminum bat, you're going to have a little bit of a smaller sweet spot, but that sweet spot, it's going to be, I mean, it, it, it is the sweet spot. I mean, you hit it there, it's, it's going. And with the wood bats, you have a bigger sweet spot. And I think with uh, Josh being a little bit of a bigger guy compared to some people that he's, he's going to be able to maintain that power and keep it with the next level. And I mean, we've seen that with his minor league play so far. I'm sure his OPS has got to be way up there. Yeah, it's seven, um, 781. Okay, so that's not blowing anybody out of the water, but that's not terrible. Yeah, and then um, we got to give props to Baby Bro. Baby yeah. Bro, big ball player of the year, consensus All-American, named collegiate uh, USA team, uh, national team, the first Red Raiders since his brother in 2018, and another Red Raider was on the team in 2017, Stephen Deering, the pitcher. I believe, was on the uh, Collegiate USA team. So congratulations to those guys. Uh, keep up, keep it up, keep being representatives for Texas Tech. And if there are any other young brothers in the family, cousins, whatever, send them to Lubbock, man. We, we, could, we could use you. Yeah, if they're tall, we'll throw them out on the court. If they're extremely fast, we'll put them out on the football field. I mean, you haven't let us down yet. So, I, yeah, I definitely think whether or not these guys sign, um, like I said, like I mentioned, I, I mentioned Kyle Conley. He was the first player off the board. He may go ahead and, and, and take that slot value. Um, but, like I said, I, I do think he, he's one of the ones that stands a chance that if he decides to come back to Lubbock for one more season, has nothing to do with NIL reasons. I just think that he could be a first or second round pick and – double what his signing bonus would be, which is big-time money. And then some of these guys that went in the later rounds, um, the seventh and eighth, uh, Ryan Sublett is a, a pitcher for you. That slot value is less than 200 k 
is that really worth – well, he was a senior. My bad. So, Sublet, Sublet's going to go. Um, Hunter Dobbins it was a junior. So, uh, less than 200 k uh, for a gamble at, at the big leagues where you can try to come back and see if you can move up a couple rounds and make yourself two to three more 100000 uh, and get another shot to go to Omaha. Uh, Patrick Monverde, uh, he was a fifth-year senior, so he's got to go. Um, but it is always a tough choice for these guys that get drafted on do I stay or do I go? Like, it's a it's a big deal, man. And uh, I'm, I'm excited. Some of the tech commits have that decision as well. I don't have that list in front of me. But uh, do they sign or do they come to Texas Tech? Well, uh, that's the beauty of being where this program is right now is that not only are we recruiting quality players, we're recruiting players getting drafted before players on our team are getting drafted. Yeah, I mean, our, our recruiting's gone nowhere but up. Um, I, I think I'm, we saw that with J-Bob. I mean, to mention recruiting, uh, J-Bob got offered by LSU, and he turned him down and returned to Lubbock just like he did, I think, last year, maybe the year before when he got offered by A&M. He turned him down and coming back. And he's in, he's being offered bigger roles at these schools than he has at Texas Tech, but this is where he wants to be um, under a coach like Coach Tadlock as well. Yeah, and I think we have to we, – we've, we've done a whole show, and we haven't mentioned Kirby Hillcutt yet. We have to give him a ton of credit for what he's done with co- the hiring of Coach Adams, trusting in Coach Adams, and then giving the lifetime contract to Coach Tadlock and keeping him in town, knowing how important it is to keep this momentum going. Because yeah, I, yeah, you, you lose a coach, your momentum is only as, as good as your, your coach in, in, in a sport like baseball or uh, basketball. But we've done a great job of with Coach Adams, the staff he's hired, and then lacking up Coach Tadlock to keep in baseball and basketball relevant, which to me is so impressive to see where we're at. If you would have told me when I was a student – a decade ago, that basketball and baseball would have Final Four, Sweet 16, and College World Series aspirations, I would have laughed. I mean, I'm just being serious, guys. I would have laughed. Yeah. That's how bad these programs were when I was a student at Tech. And I, I wanted to mention Kirby earlier in the show. I just actually let it slip by. But, I mean, if Kirby can get this football program to a competitor, a even a place where they can compete for the big 12 championship within the next few years. I mean, build the man a statue. Look at what he's done with every single one of our sports. I mean, track and field national championships, national championships, Texas tech. Okay. Basketball made the national championship game baseball. We've made three college world series in the past five years. I mean, every one of our sports has absolutely exploded with the moves Kirby has been doing recently. And uh, I mean, out, it sucks that he's not – that football has been the one that hasn't quite gotten there with the rest of them because that's the moneymaker. I mean, football brings in 50, 60 million a year more than any other sport, and most sports don't bring in money. So, I mean, what, what Kirby's done is absolutely phenomenal. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm with you. Um, I was really excited. I mean, uh, I grew up a big University of Miami fan, and uh, Kirby came – when we got him, he came from the University of Miami, and I was like, wow, you know, we got this guy to come to Lubbock, but um, he, he's done a great job, and uh, it's a great time to be a Red Raider fan right now. You guys out there 
listening to podcasts, the Guns Up Nation podcast, the Guns Up Nation network, um, should be very proud and very happy with uh, with these programs. And uh, football's really the only one that we've got left to kind of right the ship, so to speak. Yeah, that that was exactly my point there. Um, coming down to the end of this, do y'all do y'all have anything y'all want to add? Anything y'all didn't get to mention that y'all feel like needed to be in here? Yeah, I mean, I'm excited to be here. I'm excited for this opportunity. I want to thank you guys uh, for solid first show. I want to thank the listeners out there listening to the podcast. Uh, once again, my name's TJ. Uh, follow me on Twitter, T E E J A Y K E R N. Follow up the show uh, follow the show tweet the show at guns up voice and uh, follow at guns up nation also and uh, we're going to be bringing you all kinds of content and i'm excited to be here and looking forward to having some more awesome podcasts here in the future for you yeah chris yes. you, you, go ahead yeah sorry about that keith no, you're all right but, go ahead but seriously uh thank you for this opportunity it's great to be here. I get to talk to the fans of Guns Up Nation, the fans of Texas Tech. I get to share news. This is what I've been working for, and I'm going to take hold of this opportunity. I'm going to bring sports news to y'all every day if we can, every podcast, every live show after football games. We're going to do our best to give you everything we can. And, again, my Twitter handle is at CME Sports News. My name is Christopher Eustace. Yeah, and I thank you all again so much. Yeah, so I, I would like to give, of course, a big shout-out to Chris and TJ for coming on here. Um, I needed help running the show, guys. I wasn't able to do it alone, and I think this show has made leaps and bounds in the past hour and a half. I mean, we've been sitting here. We're, we're, we're doing – guys are doing a phenomenal job. Um, just coming up for you all, we might have a dead week here. We haven't exactly planned out this next week. Uh, I'll be up in Colorado for a lot of it, so we might not have a show. But outside of that, we're going to be trying to release it on a weekly schedule um, – Every, I think, Wednesday night right now is when our release time is. That could change, but we're going to try and get a common schedule up for you all. And, of course, post-game shows for big games, we're going to be doing those live. Those are going to be um, – you'll get to see our, our beautiful faces, if you want to call them that, because those will be live video, everything. But, I mean, I think that's all I got for you all. Um, again, it's Guns Up Voice on Twitter. Uh, make sure you follow all of our podcast network. I mean, that's Tortillas and Takes, Talking Tech, Ramblin' Raiders, Follow Guns Up Nation, Texas Tech Men's Basketball Insider. I mean, if, if you follow everybody on our network, you're not going to miss any news, and you're going to be in the loop for everything big that's happening. Outside of that, thank you, Chris. Thank you, TJ. That's all I got for you all today. You all have a great weekend. Thanks for listening to the Guns Up Nation podcast. The opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the podcast hosts and do not reflect the opinions of Texas Tech University or its affiliates. Visit our website at GunsUpNation.com for more Texas Tech news. Thanks again and Guns Up.